Our text for today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, beginning with verse 4 and going on to verse 25. And you can follow along on page 7 in your bulletin. This, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had created a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A water, a river watering the garden flowed from Eden, and from there it separated to four headwaters. The name of the first was Pishon. It, it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where, where there is gold. The name of the second river is Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It runs along the east side of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds in the sky. He came and brought them to the man to see how he would name them. And what if the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. When I was a kid going to church, I was always puzzled by something. I was puzzled by what people called each other. So say, for example, you're sitting in a pew, and there was an elderly woman that sat next to us. The people in the church 
would usually call her something to the effect of Sister Smith or Mother Smith. Or if there was a man that was seated in front of us, that one person might be called Brother Jones. And I didn't understand this. You see, when I heard someone was called a brother or a sister, I took it literally. I thought maybe they were related, long-lost relatives that I had known nothing about. What I didn't understand, and I only understood it later, was, of course, for me, an introduction, especially to the African-American church, especially here in the United States. It was a custom in the black church tradition that people named each other with honorific titles. Now, that probably didn't mean a whole lot in Michigan in the 1970s and 80s, but it did if you thought about it 80 years earlier. In the American South of that time period, both during the time of slavery and then during the time of Jim Crow, blacks were used to being called by their first names. It was white people that were given titles like Mr. or Miss, but African-American men and women, no matter the age, were either called by their first names or especially if you are a male, simply boy. Whites were given a title of respect. African-Americans were not. It would, this was a way to, to tell blacks, especially in the South, to know their place and to know that they were not on equal standing. So it goes that after a week of dealing with that kind of disrespect, Sunday brought something different. For example, I, have, I had an aunt, her name was Nora, and grew up in Louisiana. She might be called simply Nora during the day, but when she went to church, she was usually probably called either Sister Fields or more often than not, mother feels. Calling people sister or brother or mother was a way of conveying respect for African Americans that was not found during the other days of the week. But I think that there was a yet another reason why we used those titles. Again, the world outside of the church for African Americans, especially in the South, but even another part outside of the South, was one, was a hierarchical one, where African Americans were usually on the bottom. But inside, in the church, there was a sense that we were part of a larger family, that we were not simply someone up here and someone down here, but that everyone was connected. The church was something that extended the family beyond ourselves. When things went wrong in people's lives, there was the church that brought them spiritual and even physical support. It gave a sense that people were not alone and that they were part of something larger than themselves. 
Today, we are starting a new year in the narrative lectionary, which means then we start at the beginning, meaning the very beginning. We start with the creation story in Genesis 2. Now, for those who may not have known this, or there, there are actually two creation stories. The one that we are most familiar with is the one that's found in Genesis 1. And if you were to describe it, it, it's almost like you were describing a Steven Spielberg movie with all of the special effects. God's voice speaks and things come into being. Waters are separated. The day and night are come into being. People, animals, all appear. It is a big scale Thing. It's cosmic. Genesis 2 is almost like an art house film. It is far more intimate. Instead of this big scale plan where planets and stars and sun and moons are created, God basically creates a garden. There are no big voices, it's just God and this garden. God needed someone to tend the garden, so God created a gardener. In our passage, we see that God will form this being from the ground, and the Hebrew, the, the Hebrew verb of forming was kind of like a potter making a clay pot. And you can see the hands helping to shape it into being. Again, that's kind of an intimate way of talking about the creation of human beings. The gardener was given a name. We you would usually say Adam. In Hebrew is Adam, which means in Hebrew, human. And it's important to know that Adam is related to another word in Hebrew, Adamah which means ground. So it's basically saying that human beings were formed from the very earth that we use to help our plants to grow. God gives Adam a job to name the animals. But that wasn't enough. God could see that Adam wasn't satisfied. So God says in the passage that it is not good for Adam to be alone. And God decides to do something about it. We talk about the whole concept of here that Adam being alone, that it was not good for humans or, or for man to be alone. And it's a reminder about how important it is to be to part of something, to be together. We hear a lot today about how loneliness is actually a big problem in our society. Some have even called it a public health problem. God, even back then, <clears throat> knew that loneliness was not good. So he puts Adam into a deep sleep, takes out a rib, and creates a partner, Eve. Now the whole point, especially that last part, of Genesis 2, 
we might think that this is talking about marriage or gender, and you could say it is in some ways. But I think that there is more going on here. This is also teaching us something about God and about humanity as well. What we learn is that God is a relational God, and that is expressed in the Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we learn that when Eve appears, humanity then mirrors the Trinity, meaning that we are created to be relational. The whole story, the whole creation story found in Genesis 2 is about relationship. God is related, and we see that in the Trinity. God is related to the humans in that relationship. Humans are related to each other, and humans are related to the very earth that we stand on. None of us are simply our own person. We are related to each other. This fall, we are starting a new worship theme that will last from this Sunday to the last Sunday in November. As you see on your bulletin, there is this funny word on the here. Ubuntu. And just to let you know, as, as Jeff expertly reminded me, and I've all, I found this out myself, I am not talking about the Linux program. <laughs> what I am talking about is something a little bit different. Ubuntu is a word from the Kosha language in Southern Africa. And what it roughly translates to is, I am because you are. The philosophy is something that became more well known, especially through Archbishop Desmond Tutu during the anti-apartheid movement and then afterwards when um, democracy started and the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was looking back at what had happened under apartheid. This is an African a belief, it's a belief from Africa, that says that who we are is because of others. Our dignity and our identity are drawn from the image of God that is expressed in the Trinity. We are human because of our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. Ubuntu is something that we sorely need in our society today. We live in a time, as I have said before, that's incredibly divisive. It is a time where we are split by race, we are split by ethnicity, we are split by ideology. We see loneliness as a major issue. We are isolated from each other. The church has to be a place where we can model Ubuntu. If we believe that God is relational, 
if we believe that we are who we are because of others, then church has to be a place where this is shown so that others, especially in the world, can see this. If we believe that God is relational, then we can see that church is not simply a, simply a club or something to gather. It is a place where people can get to see a glimpse of the kingdom of God. The first word of the new creed of the United Church of Canada, which we have used this past summer as our affirmation, simply says, we are not alone, we live in God's world. We aren't alone, which means that life is not all about us. We live in a world where we are called to be community with each other. God created a world that was designed for relationship, for mutuality. The danger of our time, and actually of any time, is that we are the center of everything, and that we are self-made. The second creation story reminds us that God's world is about a relationship. It is about caring for each other. As I was preparing this sermon, there was a story that was brought up that was talking a little bit about Ubuntu, and it related to a missionary in Africa. And he decided to create a game for some of the children that he was, taught, he was teaching. And so he decided that if they had a race, and if they, whoever got there first would get whatever the prize was. What was interesting was that when the race started and it practiced, the children all basically held hands together and then ran across the finish line together. Well, this perplexed the missionary, but for the children, it was a sense that of cooperation, of mutuality, that it wasn't about just themselves, but it was about each other and about the whole. There is a hymn, and actually we are singing this today, We Are Not Our Own, which is by Brian Wren, that tells us basically that the world doesn't revolve simply on us. As it goes, we are not our own, earth forms us. Human leaves are nature's growing vine, fruit of many generations, seeds of life divine. And the last hymn, the last part of the hymn, tells us that because we are in relation with God, and we see God relating to each God's self in Trinity, and we see God relating to God's creation, that we are called to welcome those who cross our path. As it says, let us be a house of welcome, living stones upholding living stone, gladly showing all our neighbors we are not our own. I am because you are.
We are not our own. We belong to God. Let us, during this season, start to live that way. Thanks be to God. Amen.